UFC on Fox this Friday. It's time for Verbal Tap. I have Rasp Esparza on the line. Raf, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. It is very nice talking to you, even though I don't respect you as a human being. Perfectly fair, especially since this is our third try at an intro that the audience doesn't get to hear, and I have screwed it up not once, but twice. We are here now. It's the Sunday evening before a highly anticipated action-packed fight card that I know we're both excited about. We've already talked about our excitement off the air, and now it's time to talk about it on the air. This is Verbal Tap, the podcast that proves fighting is in fact easier from outside the cage. Raf, are you ready to... And much less painful, I might, might like to add. It, uh, especially after our interview with GSP in our first one. He sounded beat up after a fight he won, even. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's the the wounded warrior, if you would. The wounded warrior, indeed. Raf and I are two Monday morning cage fighters that love to give old takes on fresh topics and hopefully do it in a humorous way. Both part-time jujitsu MMA trainers, um, in addition to our day jobs. Um, you ready to get started, Raf? Yeah, let's let's get straight to it. We got a lot of news to cover. We right? do, and my first question is, why don't they number the fights for UFC on Fox? Well, as I'm sure you're well aware, um, numbers are very difficult, and I think once you get past four, it becomes very difficult to remember what comes next. Let alone, it, you know, it it is actually getting kind of hard to remember which UFC we're on when it's like 154. Wait, shit, when was 152? Wait, carry the. Can somebody divide by seven and tell me what UFC fight we're on? So uh, I agree with that, but do they do these just get lost in the annals of time? Like, where are they? Well, I think the other thing that makes it very difficult is not only is it hard to keep track of the numbers, like UFC 154, but then they have these events that are on uh, FX, Fuel, oh, yeah. uh, Fox, and at some point, You've seen maybe 26 UFC cards in a year, but that's an interesting take, and I'm glad you agree with me. Thank you. Yeah, that was my dog joining the podcast live, as only she can, with a little with a little yelp. No, I because they used to do those fights in like uh, Afghanistan and Iraq that they don't do quite so much, or at least they haven't done in a while, but the fights for the troops. And yeah. those never had numbers. Those were always just sort of part of the weekly vernacular of the UFC. So I guess you're right. Um, and, and by the way, when they did do those, it's a great thing that they do them for the troops, but wasn't it very difficult to say that they were raising money? Yeah, it was for, you know, protecting the brain. (laughs) They were, there were a lot of bold claims with, with those fights. It's like, yeah, I get what you're doing and I like it, but it can be profiteering for you too. Like I, I appreciate what you're doing UFC. You don't have to try and also hide behind an altruistic value. Um, but let's not forget, these guys are going to beat each other in the brain Yeah, but as we then have more money for research <laughs> on the said brain. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's move No, forward. you're right. UFC's a hard thing to – it's hard to preach on. It's better for you than boxing, but it's, it's still not head conducive. Uh, UFC on Fox, I'm stoked because UFC's gotten – a ton better with Fox. Fox was horrible at first. They just basically said, okay, we don't want to replace or alter our football scheduling and program at all. So we're going to use the exact same method, the exact same noises, the exact same robots, even 
the UFC robot was the exact same as the football robot, which I really appreciated. Do you know the name of the uh, robot from Fox? What are you talking about? He has a name. He has a name and a Twitter. His name is Cletus. Are you serious right now? I am completely and utterly serious. Not a joke. His name is Cletus, and he has a Twitter account. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, no, I did not know that. Does he he tweet often? How does he feel about being (laughs) replaced in the UFC fights? I think... I think it was a good move. I don't feel like he knew what he was doing. I, I think there's nothing stupider than the Fox robot. And anytime I see him on football, I hate him. <laughs> and anytime I see him doing kicks and he has an opponent robot, apparently, it reminds me of the movie Robot Jocks. Some of you may be too young for this. But it's a movie that was made in the 90s. Myself included. That was essentially, Never heard of that movie. Yeah, that was essentially Power Rangers without the Zords. Okay. Uh, it was just robots. Yeah, well, maybe that was his first break. He was like a child actor at the time, and now he's <laughs> moved on to Fox. Now, if anyone's wondering, too, because it seems like you and I hate each other, why we do the podcast together. Well, I can say I do the podcast with you because no one else knows that information. No one else has the worthless knowledge that the Fox robot has. Who's in? Which intern's job was that, by the way, to start the fake Twitter account for Cletus? <laughs> I think it's all the Twitter. I, I think it's all the interns coming together. That's all they do. That would make sense. Uh, it gets a nice little Power Ranger vibe to it also. Okay. Also, worthless knowledge. Yeah. Worthless. You now know more than you did one minute ago. Uh, true. To all of the fans, including... And I think this is a good time for you and I to thank Dana White for his really, really great comments about show we did the first Verbal Tap episode. Um, you and I don't always agree with his decisions, but he sent in a beautiful email and we just want to thank you, Dana, for listening. It's really appreciated. Um, what a supporter you are for the show. Um, so I think that's, I think that's big. I've never seen Outlook ever self-censor an email before, but (laughs) thank you very much, Dana. It's nice to know you feel passionately about what you Yeah, we assume all the dollar signs and, uh, ampersand symbols were just words of encouragement. By the time I got to the fourth FU, I realized it was out of admiration. <laughs> yeah, he, that's clearly what he says to his friends. He uses a different yeah. term for love. No, no, no. We, we, we totally get that. So uh, we just want to thank everybody for that. And now you also are armed with the knowledge that the robot that you see dancing around, his name is Cletus. And I think we're going to end the UFC discussion about Fox on that note and move on to some MMA news. Are you ready? You... Yes, sir. Sent me an article that I think is fascinating, put off by CagePotato.com, our friendly source for some... um, They never go too deep in the research, but they always do give you some sort of semblance of what's going on in the UFC. Here's what I'll say about Cage Potato. They do exactly the amount of research I'm willing to read. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They never beat you over the head with statistics, but they definitely give you a nice uh, five-foot-deep version of what's going on. They numbered the top 35, I guess, how deep does it go? The top 40, 50 fighters for earning. Wow, I'm not sure I had seen this whole list. If you go to the link, it goes all the way down. Yeah, I must have just read the initial article because we're looking at, this is pretty much every fighter you could possibly name and several I would challenge that you cannot. 
Um, we're probably going to stick up in the top 10, top 40, because uh, the top 30 is what we, we really looked about, looked at. It's how much fighters make just with the UFC. Is that we've we've decided? This this only yes. tracks what the fighters made on the on the purse. Uh, from the limited amount of reading that I've done. Yeah, which is to say we did not do much research. We just looked at this one article that we both thought was nope. cool. Thank you, listeners. This is how you know you're getting some good stuff. Quality uh, MMA yeah. work. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is something that they tabulated. Uh, every one of these was reported to the athletic commissions where every UFC or UFC event has been held. And so somebody decided to go down a list and, and make past, I believe it's UFC 41, uh, the amount of money people are believed to have made. And this is only the stuff that's disclosed to the commission. This is not bonuses. This is not uh, Dana White Christmas cards. This is not <laughs> bet mitzvah money. This, this is, is just, just... stuff. So let's start by looking at one through five because there's a noticeable okay. person in one through five that it's like, wait, yeah, I can see <laughs> those four, but what's he doing here? Number one is Chuck Liddell, which I don't think either of us would argue with. That sounds about right. Not a surprise. Nito, Tito Ortiz been doing it for – he was fighting for 97 years, give or take. Correct. The UFC was born and then Tito He was Ortiz also woke dating up. a – excuse me, married to and impregnating the world's most famous porn star, which I think entitles him to <laughs> extra – Impregnating is the best way to put it. <laughs> extra money each fight, right? Like Because of what that's yeah. going to bring to the pre-fight buzz, yeah, I'd pay him more. Uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, who maybe hasn't been quite so strong now, but there was a time when he was just all you ever wanted out of the UFC. Like, he, he really helped and, define the bad boy UFC fighter for a couple of decades, it feels like. And definitely, speaking of, like, feeding kids. Yeah. Quentin's got some mouths to feed. There's a there's a reason A-Team was able to bring him in so easily. Number four <laughs> is Michael Bisping. And just to round out the top five, number five is Georgia St. Pierre, which I'm actually surprised he's fifth. He would have been my dark horse to be number one. Um, but I can see him, Chuck Liddell, Tito Orsis, and Quentin Jackson. What the hell is Michael Bisping doing in the top five of this list? You know, I used to think that... Uh... Michael Bisping's nickname had something to do with uh, a regal kind of thing, but it turns out he just knows how to count money. <laughs> there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing deeper to his nickname at all. He just really markets the hell out of it. Is it? Is this because he's like our first big UK fighter to make in the US? Like, what the hell is he doing in the top five? I have no idea, but props to whoever his agent no, is or his manager or shit. the sports managers. That's impressive. The people, you know other fighters saw this list for the first time and were not happy about some of these results. And, and let's move on to 6 through 10 because, again, there is another huge... It's Number 6 is Randy Couture. Number 7 is Anderson Silva. Number 8 is Brock Lesnar. Number 9 is Rashad Evans. Number 10 is BJ Penn. Uh, Randy Couture, sure, again, fought for okay. 7 million years. But let's think about it. Randy Couture was fighting before they had uh, coin currency. Also true. Also true. So are you saying, does this factor in gold? Doesn't. Does it not? I mean, I'm pretty sure he might have been fighting uh, uh, for goods or trades or services. Sure, he might so own people. That's a big question mark. I think asterisk, definitely. Yeah, no, well, I'm happy to put an asterisk. There is an asterisk next to it, which I think is interesting. Um, Anderson Silva, number seven. 
So, how again? I'll say the same thing I'll say about Georgia Saint Pierre. What is Anderson Silva doing at number seven? That man has fought in more title fights and won them. You'd think by this point, like we had to, uh, the UFC would have to write him the world's biggest check to get him to fight. I think they don't translate the contract. They obviously in don't. His language. Oh, oh, you're saying you're saying because he's Portuguese, they might have pulled one over on him. Oh yeah, they probably just put it in uh, uh, in. Castilian Spanish as opposed to uh, regular uh, Portuguese. I hope he's listening and has it translated because they might owe him some money and then he can just cut us in on that and that'll be great. Uh, well, you know, he is number seven. He's the highest paid Portuguese speaker, so maybe that that works as much. But number eight is as shocking to me as anything else. Because, okay, let's say Anderson Silva, fine. He shouldn't be the highest paid fighter in the game. I'm sure Burger King pays him a healthy amount. I hope they do, at least for the giant logo he has of Burger King on all of his stuff. Does Very true. And I think a big part of it is uh, now Whoppers are only 55 cents. So maybe that stock's going down. You, th- you think he has a free Whopper card? He gets Whoppers at all times? Just whenever? If, if they were to pay him in Whoppers, I think he'd be happy. Although, if you watched one of the primetime specials, where he's getting ready for one of his fights. He wanted a Big Mac, so I don't know if Ooh, that ruined anything. slogan burn. <laughs> you get, <laughs> I, I'm always a little sorry, because, okay, for the same reason of I hate seeing LeBron James in a McDonald's commercial. It's like, you did not get to where you are eating Burger King or McDonald's. Like, I can barely stomach the Subway commercials with Michael Phelps chowing down on a cheesesteak. I don't like it when they're when they're backed, but we'll move on. I would like a quick timeout, just on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that the LeBron commercial ends with him going to a barbershop is complete BS. Oh, the yeah. LeBron, you're, you're kind of losing your hair, right? Like, he's, uh, I'm not imagining that. He's... Yeah, definitely. He's losing his hair. And the worst part about it is, as he goes to the barbershop, he doesn't need a fade. No, no. He just goes to show them something on his phone. Yeah, he's just... Which, hey, he's... I'm over. Whatever he does to to, to blow off some steam, you know, he's got to do it. Um, and that gets us back to number eight, Brock Lesnar on the list. What is... <laughs> yes. I guess for the exact same reasons, I'm like, <laughs> Michael Bisping. I guess Brock Lesnar's agent just uses a weapon at all times when he's doing negotiations. So that was, that was how you know, they did it. I'll, I'll give him credit. I think he's got the, uh, the experience of putting together WWE contracts. So I think there is a similar skill because if you really think about it, there's only a handful of fights he did have in his MMA career. Like four, right? Maybe five. What, how many no, is he doing? No. Uh, in my head, I can't remember him breaking the number 10. Sure. I'm checking that out right now. Yeah, we can hear you typing. Okay. Shut up. So as Brock Lesnar is number eight, as you started, I can see Rashad Evans being number nine, and BJ Penn certainly seems like a, a number ten candidate. At least he's in the top ten. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and then eleven you have Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira. Number twelve is Leota Machida. Number thirteen is Matt Hughes. Um, number fourteen, a guy we're going to be talking about, Mauricio Shogun Rua. And number 15, Vanderlei Silva. How many fights? Wait, does Vanderlei Silva get paid like 10 bucks a fight? He made 2 million, 20,000. 
I guess he had $20,000 in his career, but man, he earned every dollar of that. I always think Wandy is a person who, as he's about to go out and fight, uh, they have to remind him he needs to get paid for it. <laughs> Vanderlei, so yeah, so Vanderlei's agent calls him and is like, "What are you doing tonight?" He's like, "Oh, I'm I'm fighting at UFC 121." And his agent's like, what "The hell do you mean you're fighting at UFC 121? <laughs> I haven't I haven't booked anything. When did you take the fight?" He's like, "27 minutes ago. I walked in to watch the fight. He said, "Hey, do you want to take one? So I'm gonna go do it." <laughs> I think it starts in a bar. I think he's like about to start a fight there, and somebody like has the common sense to go, "No, no, no, no. Do it in the octagon. Make a little money." And he's like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> I'm so ready. Forrest Griffin at 16, Mirko Krokop at 17, and now we get to him, John Jones at 18. Is there anyone that saw this list and got more angry than John Jones? Uh, I would hope there'd be a few others, but John Jones definitely, if he did look at this, well, they should be able to see their bank account. They should know this. Uh, they don't know how much other fighters are getting paid for fights, and you know they're not but doing that math. If you're John Jones and you're making 1.8 mil off of all of the collective fights you've had, you'd probably be a little disappointed. I'd be pissed because he arguably had the – not even arguably. I'd say he had the best series of title defenses we've ever seen in the UFC. Yeah. He he really the way he defended that in the first five or six fights afterwards was just impressive and he did it, I swear, every four months, which even more impressive. But eighteen on this list. Next to Vitor um, Belfort and Frank Muir. We we do have a verdict on the Brock Lesnar. How many fights, fights did Brock Lesnar fight? He fought eight. Eight fights. So we were exactly you didn't want to say ten, I said five or six. I think I said four or five. Uh, Brock Lesnar at eight. Okay, let's do some this or that. Who's left a bigger mark on the fight game, Brock Lesnar or John Jones? Uh, well, I would, as the MMA purist, say John Jones. Yeah, I'd say anyone would say as a as I, I don't think that's going to be that all that obscure a question. Okay, Michael Bisbing or Dan Henderson, who's number twenty one on the list. That's an unfair fight, although. Uh, I guess it's only more redeemed by the fact that Dan Henderson knocked him out. And even more redeemed by the fact that, I'm just going to start naming some ones I find funny, Nate Diaz at 27, who we're also going to be talking about, uh, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but higher than his brother. Um, Yeah, probably. I Uh, I could see that. I don't even see his brother. Oh, his brother's at 55. His brother's made about half a million dollars fighting in the UFC. Hmm. But his brother's also been in other organizations, right? Yeah, a few of these guys have. And that's where you have to think like Vanderlei Silva and Dan Henderson are probably, if this list gets bigger, those two probably rise up because those are some guys that went and fought in other places for a little while. Uh, while we're still on this, this is why I love Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, if you look at Brock Lesnar's uh, fight page, you know you forget the first fight he had was not in the UFC. And I actually saw that fight live out here in Los Angeles. Uh, and it was against Kim Min Su, who was just a giant. Uh, so seven fights, really, in the UFC. Seven UFC fights, and he's the eighth. He's just behind Anderson Silva. Yep. Now, the funny part is, if you look at the rest of these, this is even better. Uh, his finishing moves in the WWE are referred to as the Brock Lock, a F5, and a Kimura Lock is one of his finishers. That is ironic, actually. 
given his his complete and utter lack of ground game in the UFC. I think that's fine. I think well, that's refreshing. Well, let's not forget, he did have one win over Shane Carlin via submission. Yeah, I want to see that fight go again. I don't I don't think it goes quite the same way. I would hope not. I think Shane Carlin probably outmuscles him, which is probably why he's gone now. Say la vie, Brock yeah. Lesnar, I'll miss your giant spear tattoo. Terrifies but me I to my soul. I miss your super mono. No, I'm going to miss his after-fight antics. Him and Forrest Griffin are the best to have on any fight card because you've got like an 85% chance something super stupid and unprofessional is going to happen <laughs> the moment the fight's over. That's why I love Forrest Griffin. It's like, yes, something moronic is going to happen, and I'm ready for it. All right. There's a little, not a ton more to say about this list, but needless to say, no. we're surprised, and I think we want to see more research. <laughs> we want to see more results from other people that do more research on how much these guys make with endorsements and things like that. But what is, what is the biggest takeaway from this? Like, I, I what, what does this change anything? Does this make us more aware? Does Dana just shoot it down and say you don't know the full deal? Like, what what is the takeaway from this list? I guess I, I remember saying this to you when they shot it. I think Dana's pretty upset that this gets published, first of all. I, I, I bet he did not want this math being done. Second, I, I think you're going to definitely have some fighters rethinking their contracts because how are you John Jones and you not just outraged that Brock Lesnar made so much more money than you in the inside the octagon? Like, who does more for the sport? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Well, I mean, my my main takeaway from all of this is... Who's fighting for Wade Ship? Who is fighting for Tiki Gosen? Who is fighting for Steve <laughs> Vinegal? I mean, these guys are making $2,000 a fight, and it's really probably just the is first that, couple fights. Is that, that the end of the list? Yeah, there it is. Uh, I was like, who is he talking about? Tiki Gosen. Yep. Boy, I'm going to put money on him if I can, though. If I were to give him a nickname, it would be Tiki Gosen Protocol. <laughs> you, you will might be czar of nicknames for us. We'll work on that. We'll work that into a future show. There's a quick teaser. Raph's great at naming people. <laughs> All right, that takes us into a new segment we want to introduce to the show called Questions for Raph. It's where I've designed five super innocuous questions that have no bearing on MMA or the sport, but might be fun for amusement, and you're all going to know someone that relates. Raph, are you ready for the rapid-fire five questions that we are then going to discuss after each answer? Here's a question. Before I answer that, how stupid are these questions? Pretty stupid. Then yes, I am completely ready. Okay. Uh, let it be known, Raph, this is all part of the game. Raph did no preparation for these questions and has not heard or seen them beforehand. That's how sure I am of his confidence and how unsure I am in these questions' competency. All right, the first one, pressing, what's more intimidating, pink fight shorts or pink fight hair? Uh, probably, uh, I would probably say pink hair because you don't know what else they're capable of. Pink fight hair is more terrifying because it opens the door. Well, what else is there? Like, are you... I don't know. The dye may get inside your brain. Sure. What a sound uh, argument. Pink fight shorts just say you're just trying to get some attention. Which you would know? you rather do? I'm going to add a quick addendum to the question. Would you rather do pink fight shorts or pink fight hair? Definitely pink fight shorts, and I'll tell you why. 
first off, I have a giant cranium. Thank God you guys who are listening to this cannot see my head, but it is very large. Thank God. And indeed. bringing more attention to that is, is an awful idea. Yeah, you're worried, like, now, planes might try and land on it? S- I mean, it, it's a very massive head. And the worst part is, is it's flat, so you can actually put things on oh, top Oh, that's got to be convenient like, for your girlfriend, though, like, for keys oh, yeah, and remote I mean, controls. She's a... Uh, Oh, the remote goes really nicely <laughs> on my head, by the way. Good. So you can, you're always uh, looking you for can it. just leave it there. It's also part of the reason why we haven't bought like TV trays. Yeah. No need. Sounds like a waste no of time. Although, although I will say, in the pink shorts, you know, it could be a nice tribute to uh, WWE's uh, Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, you can say you're uh, battling cancer all the time. Sure, that's a genius point. Okay, uh, topic settled. Pink fight shorts it is. Plus, you know, you are um, you live in L.A., so it's warm all the time. Correct. All right. One song fighters should never walk out to. What's the one song that they should not walk out to? My buddies and I have uh, have the inverse of this question all the time, which is, you know, what fight song do you walk out to? Yeah. And one of my buddies said that they would walk out to It's a Small World. <laughs> and when we all turned and looked at him, we said, why would you do that? He goes, because people wouldn't want to mess with you. They'd think, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah, that nothing screams... I'll kill your family. Like if you play Small World, I, I'll I'll give you that. So you think that's the one song you should ever walk out to, or you're suggesting like Nate Diaz should do uh, that this coming Saturday? <laughs> if Diaz did it I too, mean, I'd be freaked out. Oh, definitely. I, I'm kind of into it. I think the hardest one is you know you never want to ruin a song. So I almost want to make it a good song that you can't ruin. Like any Eminem song, I don't think you should come out to. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost tired of them playing Till I Collapse, because that used to be the song I would play uh, to get amped up. And now it's everybody's, and I hate that. Okay. Um, I think mine would be like uh, something by Celine Dion, like uh, My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> I don't think I'm going <laughs> to... I think that's going to be my my early winner. Okay. Cutting weight. Everyone <laughs> hates it. You only have to do it if you're a fighter, but I pose this question. If it improved your sexual performance, would you do it? If the answer is yes, how often? So let me get this straight. Yeah. I'm going to get better at sex by cutting weight. Yeah, just like it's like if that was the event you chose to cut weight for, for some reason, science was like, hey, it's going to increase your, your virility this much. You're going to become like a Casanova. That's a lot of work. Like, it sounds like a great benefit. Right? It does but sound like, you initially, did. you're like, oh, that sounds great. Then, like, ten minutes into the steam room, it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm a fatty at heart. I, I eat so much. Like, right now, I'm thinking about food. I'm not going to lie to you. So you're saying, like, once once every four months? Once every five months? And you're like, holidays right, and special I occasions? Guess. Okay. I think that's fair. I get it's that's a that's a tough question and you know what I'm gonna come back and revisit this question a little bit. Hey, I ask the tough questions. That's why I get paid the big bucks. I, I ask the tough questions. Mm-hmm. I ask innocuous questions that science has not proven right. <laughs> hey, that's why it's called journalism. All right, fourth question: <laughs> topic of the rage captain. If you're not familiar with the term, it's a position I'm advocating on any coach team where. One of the people is just there to incite rage when you need it the most. Fighting is a science. Fighting is a sport. Fighting is an art. But 
a certain amount of aggression and rage might carry you over that third round hump that we see so often. Uh, Raph, what do you think of the rage captain, Boone or Bane? Ooh, Boone. Boone. Rage captains are amazing. Yeah. I like to think of them as a necessary part because they remind you uh, of things you are entirely incapable of. Like, they tell you to reach for goals that aren't even humanly possible. Uh, so I would I would definitely highly uh, suggest people to have more rage captains. I, I'm surprised there aren't more. I couldn't agree more. I think uh, people would make great rage captains. Off the top of my head... I think head, I would make a great rage captain. You th- wait, you think you would be a great rage captain? Oh, by far. I'm probably the best rage captain not utilized. Let's say if it's me fighting right and you get the chance to... Um, I'm like, Raph, I need you. I need you. Okay, well, let's go off this. Like, um, I, I always say if this podcast is ever, like, if all of a sudden Dana was like, I'm done just being a fan, I'm going to call and I'm going to sponsor these guys. Um, I think I'm moving to Vegas. If he's like, that's part of the deal. You come to Vegas, you shoot this once a day, we talk about 30 minutes, you do big pre-fight events. I'm moving to Vegas and I'm doing MMA full-time and just recording a podcast. Uh, you hang out in L.A. with your cushy whatever weather. Um, I bring you in. I, I think you're like top five people I don't want in my corner. And you're saying you'd be a great rage captain. What? I think you'd lead me into like a double underhook and get me chicken winged on national television. Just elbowed in the face. Just for your own amusement. So you could take one of those really cool iPhoto pictures through the cage of me bleeding. And just put like LOL underneath it. You're saying you'd be great at it. Yeah, I'd be amazing because I would tell you when you are in a bad situation i would say kevin that does not look good uh i would say kevin please try and cover up your face because well nah give me your face because you know what are you really gonna lose okay so you're saying you'd be a realist uh, let me tell you i do appreciate that the first thing i'd want from a corner man is someone to be like hey your face is about to take a beating you need to make some choices you just start thinking about what's important to you as a fighter and as a human being because here's what's happening I pull you aside very honestly and say, Kevin, let's be real. You've always been ugly. No one's going to miss your face. If you lose a kidney, so what? You got another one. Right. Just let them punch straight there the whole time. And wait for your moment. You know, pick and choose your moment. You're not good at kicks. Uh, Your jiu-jitsu is pretty not great. Yeah. So really what you're hoping for is a miracle. (laughs) I have this gun in my, like... In my holster, would you like to shoot your opponent? Because <laughs> at least then it's a no contest. It's a crime, but you're not technically going to lose the fight. Yeah, that sounds Correct. great. No, you, boy, I I would just like to publicly apologize and say that, yeah, now I definitely want you in my corner. You're going to be strapping during the, literally, you're going to have a 9mm with you on tape. Hey, you know, we haven't defined what Rage Captain means, so... Our, your opinion is as good as the next. People, tweet us. Tell us what you would want out of a rage captain. We'll talk more about it and Raph's ideas on gun safety, which I think will probably be a prominent part of the next show. <laughs> I like the idea this is also going to be used to profile me if I ever commit a crime. Yeah, it's going to be like, there was that one time between minutes uh, 29 and 31 on that podcast you do that six people listen to. You know what we're talking about? Uh, that's the one where, uh, that's when he said something that was pretty incriminating. Guys, I think Raph just killed a guy. I, I think Raph, I'm not positive, but he might have just done it. 
if you killed someone, though, you'd miss out on the chance to mock them, which is pretty important to your process. So I think you'd probably save when they were playing, like, the roast jokes. And it's like, I had all this material ready to mock them. Are you <laughs> kidding? I would never end their life. Otherwise, I wouldn't be oh, able to I, torture them true. for the next three to six months. Well, if movies have taught me anything, it's to shoot them at the kneecaps so that way I have them around longer. Right. <laughs> and then I can monologue and, you know, use all my great witty one-liners as uh, they're dying a slow death. This is a great point in the show before we move on to why everyone's listening, where we're going to preview the fights coming up, where Raph and I are both going to do a few shout-outs. Um, I'll start the Encyclopedia show on December 4th. If this gets published before that, people should come. It's at the Woolly Mammoth Theater on Tuesday night. You can find me. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at PhillipsKevin1, and I welcome all to... Please join that. Uh, follow me for... I call myself a short comment expert. It's more like a short comment enjoyer and occasional tweeter. Uh, I will also give a shout-out to my MMA studio, BJJ and MMA Academy in Chantilly, Virginia. If you're out in the D.C. VA area, come on out. Uh, the instruction <coughs> is top-notch. Raph, do you have some things you'd like to promo? You're awfully busy out there in L.A. Oh, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of places I'd like to give shout-outs to. Let's start off uh, with a place I train, uh, Valley Martial Arts Center, uh, VMAC, if you would be so cool. These guys are amazing, great instruction, uh, can't beat the price to train there. Uh, great people, cannot say enough good things about it. Um, that's one of uh, the great things that happens out here. Uh, another place, let's see. Oh, wait, do you like comedy people? If you're in the Burbank area, you should definitely come see the premier late-night show, early late-night, with me, your host, Raph Sparza. We are out at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank. You can catch us every second Tuesday of the month at 10 p.m. We do all late-night bits. It's very cool. We've got some great guests, uh, Carol Saltanovich, uh, Dan Carter. We've had a whole bunch of people who are very funny, and uh, yeah. It's a good show. Good times. I've seen it. I've seen the YouTube videos of it post. It actually is pretty funny, especially for a comedy club. It's pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. We we've definitely uh, we have a great time out there and uh, do a lot of fun nonsense. You can follow us at Early Late Night on Twitter at uh, Early Late Night. That was a tough one to remember. Uh, if yeah, you so like my nonsense as well, you can find me on Twitter at Legal Latino. That is Legal <laughs> Latino. Again, you can also find us, Verbal Tap Podcast. Please download us on iTunes. Leave us a star rating, even if it's a bad one. We're big boys. We can take... No, don't... I'm just kidding. Please do don't. Not do oh, it. My god. oh, my God. crush us. Are you joking? I, Does it sound cry. like we need negative feedback? Come on, people. Download it. Tell your friends. We enjoy it. Tweet us. We will give you shout-outs, and we're certainly have fun having fun doing it. Raph Esparza, are you ready to make some predictions based on nothing more than nicknames and talk a little bit about the main fights of the evening? Yes, sir. Boy, am I excited to lead us off. Facebook fight card, Abel Trujillo versus Tim Means. I guess it's probably Abel. It's A-B-E-L. Abel Trujillo, <laughs> who has one of the most violent fence tattoos I've ever seen his nickname is Killa versus Tim Means, whose nickname is the Dirty Bird. One look at this <laughs> no. guy, one look at this guy, and you know why his nickname is the Dirty Bird. Who do you got, Killa or the D Bird? Uh, I gotta go with Killa. How do you not go with somebody who's named Killer in a fighting sport? 
That's fair, and if you look at these two, man, I think you're making the right choice. But I'm going to take Tim Means because I just love Angry Birds, and this guy looks like a character from it, so I'm taking the Dirty Bird. Just for clarification, what does Tim mean? <laughs> I know. There's, this was like, Tim Means, I wish his nickname was uh, Life is Precious, and then we would all, <laughs> we'd all be good. Next fight. Very serious tattoos on John Albert, whose nickname is... You want to try and guess it? Is it Prince? It's nice. It's John Prince Albert. It is Prince. Versus (laughs) Scott Jorgensen, Young Guns. (laughs) He's Young Guns, which is plural, but I guess... Maybe he's referring to body parts. So this is probably going to be our ringer of the night for nicknames. Scott Young Guns Jorgensen versus John Prince Albert. I don't even know if they can say that on Fox. I hope they can. If you don't know what a Prince Albert is, stop, Google it, come on back after you're done laughing because that's a horrible nickname. Who do you got? Prince Albert? They can literally just do it on their computer. I'm not going for Prince Albert. I'm going... Uh, for Jorgensen, because uh, maybe it's in reference to Young Guns 2 over Young Guns 1. I'm all in with you. I cannot reward John Prince Albert. Can't do it. It's too much. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> Our third fight, Dennis Silver versus Nam Phan, Battle of the No Nicknames. <laughs> Super sad. You know... I really liked Nam Phan the last uh, time I, I saw him fight. I, I really dug his style. Yeah, um, yeah. I, he looks uh, he looks a little more put together. He's also Dennis Silver looks a little older. These are the 145 pound fights. These fights are always so bad to me. I, I know really? they deserve as much respect as anyone else, but usually like the 135s and the 145s. I don't know. I, I don't like them as much, but hopefully they prove me wrong. I'm going to take Silver because I like that last name, Dennis Silver. He looks like he's got a little determination behind that <laughs> that rugged exterior. I'm oh, so good. glad it's now coming down to you like someone with more moxie. Yeah. Well, I got to do something with their names. We have Henry Martinez, nickname Cesario. S-I-C-A-R-I-O. Mm-hmm. Sicario. Is that Spanish? Just, out here? just get past it. Versus Darren Cruikshank, Detroit Superstar. Well, I'll choose first, and since it's the Detroit Superstar, and that's the only one I understand, let's do that one. I, plus, I think Detroit Superstar is a really serious name to have. Like that's a that's a lot of it's a lot of obligation. Anyone from Detroit, they've been they've been through enough. I don't need to pick against them. Who do you? Got? I just want to. I'm going to go for Darren, and if only because I keep laughing at his uh, his last name, and no disrespect yeah. to him because he can beat the crap out of me. But it looks like it reads uh, Crankshank. <laughs> Which so, is I'll awesome. It's such a good last name. Yeah, no, you're okay. Uh, we have Joe Proctor versus Ramsey Nehem. Mm. Uh, <laughs> nicknames here? No, none. There's no 72 versus 81. Neither of these guys have nicknames. They don't look quite exciting enough to have nicknames just yet. Mm. All right. I'll go with Proctor because uh, that sounds like a lawyer name. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. As much as I'd like to see uh, a lawyer get beaten the shit out of, uh, I just have this feeling that Proctor will end up winning. So here, this is going to take a second, but I was in a fraternity. My pledge father's name was Ben Proctor. Shout out! 
He is an attorney, first of all. Nice stab on the name. He is not a fighter. So I'm going to choose Nehem because the people I know named Proctor are not ready for the UFC. So wait, you told us that whole story just to make fun of somebody's... Yep. Okay, Mike Easton, a local favorite here in the D.C. area, nicknamed the Hulk, versus Rafael Asunceo. Oh, Jesus. All right. And the way these pictures are taken, they accidentally zoomed in on Rafael and zoomed out on Mike. So Mike looks like a tiny little person compared to Rafael on the fight card on UFC.com. Well, I'm uh, I'm not going to shock you here. I'm going to tell you I am definitely going for the guy named Rafael because that's what I do. Yeah, you're going on name. racial lines. I'm choosing the local favorite, Mike Easton. Plus, no joke, the guy is mean. Like, he is a mean fighter. He's out of Lloyd Irvin's gym. Oh, he's a good fighter. I definitely agree with that. Edwards versus Stevens. Stevens' nickname is Lil Heathen. <laughs> there should just be there should just be a sh- there should just be a show of you mispronouncing names. Yeah, it's uh, it's entertainment all on its own. Very much so. Who do you got? With uh, Yevs Edwards, I like his. I like. Uh, I like the cut of his jib. He looks. Um, he looks pretty mean. Plus, Yevs is a good uh, name. Y V E S. And I can't. Lil Heathen is weird. You can't get behind that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, right now, I would probably go the way of uh, Jeremy Stevens, just for fun. Jeremy Stevens, just for fun. I will note that. Versus Michael Chisse, who was the, uh, I and I, I think I'm butchering his last name too. Oh, yeah. He was our most recent winner of the UFC from the season before this one. Correct. So we are a little bit more familiar with him. I don't know if that... Um, Marcus's nickname, The Prospect. Michael's nickname, Maverick. Ooh. These are... I'm going to go with The Maverick mm. as my nickname choice. That's a good one. I like The Prospect. Good. That makes it easier. I think that's going to be... This is going to be a, the real start to a pretty great fight card. Definitely. Um, because our next fight, we have another alum, Matt Brown, the immortal nickname, <laughs> versus Mike Quick Swick. I always love how they say that, Mike oh, Quick yeah. Swick. This is your turn. Who do you like better, the Quick, uh, just Quick or the Immortal? Oh, the Immortal, one hundred percent. Not only is is Matt Brown a great, exciting fighter, um, I just feel if if you're willing enough to put the immortal and tattoo it uh, on your body. You should, you Man. should be, you, you, you've gone the extra mile as far as I'm concerned. Well, I just crossed his name out and put in quick because I forgot about how much I disliked <laughs> that tattoo. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Cooler nickname, except when you tattoo it just below your navel. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a tough place to pull off immortal. <laughs> It is pretty funny. Uh, I think the idea for him, though, is I also, when we're talking about branding, I got really pissed at when they kept referring to Mike Swick ending fights with guillotine, so they called it the Swickatine. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Oh, yeah, that was definitely a, an era. 
of him the before he got team. major uh, majorly hurt. So that's that's just you know, my contribution. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing him return to the to the octagon. It's been a little while. Uh, yeah, he was just I think at the last uh, Fox event. Uh, that so they had. it'll be fun so, to see. And him he was again. good there, so it'll be nice to see him back to form. Wish him the best. Just don't want him to beat the immortal. Pretty stoked about this next fight: Rory McDonald, Aries, <laughs> versus BJ Penn, the prodigy. BJ Penn says when Rory McDonald called him fat, it lit a fire underneath him, <laughs> and now he's more motivated than ever. We should expect to see the best BJ Penn we've ever seen. What do you think? And who do you think's going to win? Uh, I've heard that a few times. We have. That's what I was saying, actually, to some of the guys I was training with. It was like, doesn't BJ Penn do this same thing every time? He's like, sorry, I wasn't taking it seriously until like two months ago. Uh, now, I'm trust me, I'm going to be way better than you remember. And then he comes out, and it's like, nope, that's exactly what we remember. <laughs> that's the same fighter that's not all that aggressive, doesn't really hit people, doesn't knock them out, isn't tapping anybody out, just kind of sits there and gets beat up on. I mean, BJ Penn is, is an amazing fighter. I, I don't know that his best days are ahead of him is the only question. Fighting at 170. Yeah, I, I'm, I. This is the type of thing where I wish I could actually see BJ Penn uh, at the weigh-in because that's usually what tells me that that tells me how much cardio he's done in the past few months. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm tend to think I just have to go with Rory McDonald. I mean, I just feel like he's the he's the more logical choice in this one. I just I need to see something out of BJ Penn before I'm ready to make that decision. So are we both locking this in? Yeah. Are we ready to go 2-0? We both like Rory? You'll go with Rory. Okay. I'm a huge BJ Penn fan, too. I mean, I love BJ Penn. He's great. I just, uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's, uh, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen We really haven't seen anything from him. We just haven't. So this next fight, I'm really stoked about and this is why i think we're so giddy about this fight card it's probably the best fight card we've ever seen on fox yeah in my opinion this one's great uh we have alexander gustafson the mauler which is a great nickname versus mauricio shogun rua mm. getting a little production value out of these names this this time now that i know who i'm talking about i'm not just uh, <laughs> winging it now we're getting a little a production value. We haven't seen Shogun fight great, um, but we we certainly saw him win last time. He fought Phil Davis, right? Yeah. I, it was a good fight, though. Maybe it wasn't Phil Davis. Brandon Vera. Uh, well, yeah, he was on the last Fox card, too. Yeah, it was Brandon Vera. It was a good fight. Yeah. It was a very good fight. It was very good for him, too. Uh, and uh, you know, I as much as I want to say this is going to be the spoiler, I think this is uh, the fight where uh, Alexander uh, Gustafsson really has a chance to to surprise people. Uh, I'm not confident enough to go with him, though. Yeah, you're going to go with Shogun? Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to think you're right, because I just... My only fear is when these guys get their first big fight against like a legend in the sport... They tend to not handle them so well. Like they, most of them, John Jones being one of the exceptions, but usually like when you saw GSP fight Hughes the first time, when you see some of these guys fight people, they've really idolized. And like Shogun's got to be one of uh, Alexander Gustafsson's, you know, guys he's always watched and been like, man, I really hope I hit that one day. And now he's fighting him. And I don't think Shogun's done. I think Shogun's still pretty mean. I I think he doesn't have the skill set to beat Jones. 
But otherwise, we've seen him be pretty dominant yeah. at times, and he's hard to knock out. Um, that said, I'm going to take the Mauler. Okay. I got a feeling about uh, Gustafsson's kicks connecting with uh, some, uh, some of the laziness we've seen out of Rua's hands in the last few fights. So I'm going to go with the Mauler because this... <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is interesting to see some of the fights that Shogun's lost uh, as of recently. Uh, the most sure. recent ones lost Dan Henderson, decision, lost John Jones, TKO, understandable. Uh, lost yeah. Yoda Machida, the big uh, fight over at Staples Center, which I also was there for. Oh, great. You know, I mean, it was a controversial fight that he more than redeemed. Yeah, that they one. should fight again. And then you have uh, loss uh, Forrest Griffin, which was that weird rear naked choke. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a fluke, but it just felt so odd to see him go out to uh, to Forrest like that. But but those yeah. are his most recent losses. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I. I I see that kind of thing, and I say this uh, with our good friends uh, over at Studio MMA, uh, who are all Swedish. Uh, I think they'll they'll tell me Huge differently. Mauler fans. Uh, well, I know they're definitely rooting for him, so I, I may be the, uh, the the lone person over here trying to ruin the party. The cast yep. out. Well, now I'm rooting for him too. Let's go Mauler. Plus, I'm still a little piffy about Shogun and the not taking the Jones fight because he was another one of those people in that mix. You remember yeah. he. Had the chance to fight Jones on short notice. I think Jones probably takes that fight. Well, he's already fought him. Pro- I mean, y- yeah, but still. Yeah. Y- when you're a top contender, you, you fight. And you- and that's what's- that's one of the big things we liked about MMA that we weren't getting out of boxing. Yep. Whenever these guys got the chance, they were taking the big fight. That was a big thing for well, us. I think, so. that, I think that's, that's probably part psychological, too. I mean, if you lost a fight... You know, and you get your chance to redeem yourself, and you're not ready, and you want to take it on short notice. I think it's a, to some extent, just playing devil's advocate. That's a rough avenue to go down. I, I agree. I don't think fighting's an easy sport to get into, but that's why I'm suggesting. You know, <laughs> that maybe they should have stuck. That's to why chess I'm suggesting maybe somebody else should fight, fight him on short notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah. Hey, I get it, but they're fighters. They're going to get paid to take the fight on short notice. Yeah. We'll see. Right. We'll see. It's an easier decision again from outside the cage, right. but you know what I mean. That normally they just take that fight. They just take the fight. That's what I'm saying. Just take the fight. What's the matter? You don't want to take the fight? Yeah. What's wrong? Come with on. You? Take the fight. Let's move to our feature event. In his third title defense, Benson Henderson takes on Nate Diaz. Benson Smooth Henderson. Your resident sci-fi geek slash fighter slash guy that you really don't want to have a beer with because he doesn't drink after the fight. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the big, the big moment in this in this fight? Do you think it's going to be early? Do you think it's going to be a submission attempt? Or do you think one of them is going to hit the other one pretty hard and that's going to be a, a tide changer? What are you looking for I think in it's this fight? Be a decision. Yeah, really. I think the oh, last why? fight I saw. Uh, I, I hate calling him Benson, <laughs> Benderson. You know what I mean? Like it's it's such a weird yeah. <laughs> B Henderson. Yeah, uh, uh, in his last fight uh, with Frankie Edgar, it looked like a very calculated champ, and 
it's not to say that he wasn't a good fighter leading up to it. I thought he was a real exciting fighter getting up there. But that Frankie Edgar challenge, who is an amazing fighter who gets better every time he loses, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it brought out a side of me that thought, he's got, he might be very tepid on how he fights uh, Diaz. Uh, now, are Diaz and Frankie Edgar are on the same level? It's a good question. But I think that Nate Diaz, for some reason, uh, I think he poses an interesting uh, push to him. But I don't know that I see him getting knocked out or submitted. What do you think? I'm excited to see what Diaz what Diaz prepares for on the ground because the place we really see Diaz evolve and attack and I saw some of his fights I like the I like the UFC videos posting former fights right we can see him from the WC we can see mm-hmm. former fights they showed some great Nate Diaz fights and one thing he does as a jiu-jitsu practitioner that I appreciate is he kind of evolves and chooses strategies around beating whoever he's going against, not necessarily just the traditional Kimura or traditional yeah. escape from armbar, but he picks things that he is really curtailing to go against Henderson. Um, I, I actually don't think Nate Diaz is going to let this fight go to a decision. Yeah. I, I think that's the one reason this is a really enchanting matchup. Ooh, enchanting. Sorry. Put that on the highlight reel uh, tech team that doesn't exist. <laughs> Benson's... I agree with you. He just didn't ever seem to have any interest in knocking Edgar out. Versus Frankie Edgar looked like he had nothing but interest, which is credit to Henderson for how good he is, because he's clearly good. And uh, I'll say this um, to go on why it's going to be a great fight. Uh, Henderson is a fighter that evolves. Like He just he picks up, he learns, he sees what you're going to do, he picks a game plan, he sticks to that game plan, he learns one or two really fascinating submission attempts, um, he's a big mixed martial artist, and I actually, and this is going to transition us into into what we think is going to happen. I think somewhere in the second round, Henderson's not going to want this fight on the ground anymore and is going to force Diaz into some of those striking situations where Diaz isn't quite so comfortable. And that's where, that's where the tide's going to change. I bet in that second round we start to see Henderson realize he can... Henderson can just beat this guy up. So I think we're going to see Henderson choose to do that, impose some of his size, impose some of his will, and just kind of start knocking him down. Um, And I'm predicting we see Henderson's hand raised after a uh, third-round knockout. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a very bold prediction. I think think it's pretty wise to say I don't really see uh, Ben trying to take this to the ground too much. And I don't think uh, Nate expects that. I think he he'd get a great gift if he got it, but I don't I don't think that's what his strategy is uh, coming down to on this. Yeah, I do think Henderson's in for a rude awakening that might deal with a submission and a choke attempt because he's made one too many comments about being the title defender even past Anderson Silva, like defending the fight 20 times down the road. Just so much so that it's like, you're going to get knocked out in stunning fashion, and this is going to get played again back at you, and not necessarily in a way that you're going to enjoy. Well, the other thing is, you know, who shows up to this fight? Is it the Nate Diaz that fought Rory McDonald? Is it the Nate Diaz that fought Jim Miller? You've got different options here, and it's not that he's he's losing to people who aren't good. It's just he does lose. This is this is a higher caliber kind of fight. Yeah, and, and Henderson's the he's the real deal. Like you have to come in with striking, wrestling, and jujitsu 
on high levels yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna beat him up if you're gonna take him because he was man before the last two fights though he was so exciting in the ring in the cage yeah. he was just always exciting. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this fight card. I think this is going to be a, a very high action, great mixed martial arts exhibition, especially in those last four to five fights. I think some of the undercard fights are going to be better than we could have imagined. I'm hoping so, man. It, it's a great uh, point for these guys. Anytime you get uh, exposure on Fox. Yeah. I'm looking forward so to, to it. really just go for it. I mean, here, the only question is, you know, this is this is what I always wonder. When you've got a big boxing card on the same night, what is your what are you going for? I I I I've thought about this before because what's the advantage? I think you get to just showcase how much more exciting and more action-packed your product is. And that's what fight. That's I mean that's why Fox is interested, right? Because people are interested, and I I don't know. I feel like uh, the tide's really turning already, and these fights are great. Like these fights are just so much more fun. I think there's a an element of of well, if you like that, why don't you sample some of this before and for free? And it 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 just really gets in the back of my head, and the fact that they put this kind of a card together for that night really. Uh, it tells me that they're they're doing the Fox partnership well, and that they they are calculating it pretty pretty even. I don't know what the ratings are going to be for it, just because he's still got football going on. Yeah, uh, but it's you know, you know I, I mean it's it's going to be outside of most of <laughs> any of those kinds of things, but it's it's still in that weird target area where like ratings right now it's it's so hard to predict on any of this. But I will say this, um, in terms of this fight, if this was taking place in the 209. I would have Nate Diaz in a heartbeat winning this uh, fight uh, via um, gang. Okay. Well, and I'm looking at the Vegas stats who tend to – you. I'm sorry. You're saying Henderson by decision. Is that your final – Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Uh, Benson Henderson's minus 165. So Diaz is plus mm-hmm. 135 on the money line if people are uh, interested. I think that's fair. I think you have to go with Henderson over Diaz, especially when it comes to uh, Vegas standards. Anything else for the listeners, Raph, before we wrap up? We're at our second official episode. We're reaching 60 minutes of action-packed preview where we challenge (laughs) concepts that don't matter and concepts that do. Anything Uh, else? Let's plug again for uh, some iTunes. Yeah. Here's the thing. Great call. You know, we know who... Some of you are who are listening. Uh, shout out Aaron Duncan. Uh, we know that you guys have ideas. You have your own opinions. And that's not to say those things don't matter. So give us some notes on iTunes. Let us know individually. Reach out to us on Twitter at VerbalTapCast. Reach out to us on our personal Twitters, Early Late Night. And uh, Phillips Kevin one just to let us know what it is that we can do to improve the show. I think we're we're pretty uh, we're pretty open to some suggestions, and I think we've got some ideas on how we're going to evolve it. But a lot of it comes from you guys. I haven't this ruled anything rough. out. I'll I'll kick you off if that's what the listeners want. I'll even take a vacation. That's what. Hey, we listen to the people. That's just what we do. <laughs> I like that you take a vacation. <laughs> that's <laughs> my sweeps. That's like two that weeks. We've got up in our um, This is verbal tap. This is Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night. Goodbye.